Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. It's great to come together and to seek the Lord together. Uh, God is awesome and he is in control and he is sovereign and he's faithful and he's mighty and he's strong and he's amazing. I love God. I love Jesus with all of my heart and I'm so thankful for what he's done in my life and for what he's doing in all of our lives. And it's so wonderful that we can then come as God's people and come into his presence together and we can seek God together. The God who made the whole universe, who created everything, invites us as his people to come and seek him together. So I'm really grateful for that fact. And I just wanted to share a little bit this morning um, by way of interlude, I guess, in our in our time of worship, just about the the power of worship to win battles. The power of worship to win battles. So there's a particular chapter in the Bible uh, which is called 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and it's in the Old Testament and you're welcome to turn there if you like to but you don't need to. Um, and there's this king called Jehoshaphat and he finds himself in a bit of a sticky situation um, because there's a load of other people that want to take him down and want to take the, the kingdom down. So they form an alliance and they come against Jehoshaphat. And I'm just going to read this story. Um, but I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, that as we hear your word right now, as we hear the word of God, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, as we hear your word, which divides between joint and marrow, as we hear your word, which is useful for teaching, for rebuking and, and bringing up in righteousness, Lord. As we hear that word, the word of God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe life through your word, that you would breathe life through your word right now. And as we hear it, it would give life to our lives, that it would take root in our hearts and would produce fruit for you, Lord Jesus, fruit that is pleasing to um, the great shepherd, to our great Lord Jesus, Jesus' name. So in 2 Chronicles 20, um, it says, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Meonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you, and they are already in Hazazon Tamar. I often think they could have named places a little bit easier in the Bible. You read these stories and you think, What are these guys doing naming places like this? Anyway, verse 3. Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he resolved to seek the Lord. That seems like a really good idea to me. Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he resolved to seek the Lord. And not only did he resolve to seek the Lord, but it says after that, he proclaimed a fast for all Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. And so you've got this people of God that all come together to seek the Lord because they don't know what to do. They're afraid, they're scared, they don't know what to do, they come to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat, who is this king and who's got all of this kingly status about him, he comes and he stood in the assembly of Judah, verse 5, in Jerusalem, in the Lord's temple before the new court. And he said, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the, of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and who gave it forever to your descendants of Abraham, your friend? 
I love those verses, 6 and 7, because as the people come together to seek the Lord, they don't come from a place of not knowing who God is. They come from this place of, this is who you are, God. Are you not the God of this, this, and this? And they're not asking him. They're saying, this is who you are. It's like when we're saying, how great is our God? We're not asking, how great is our God? We're saying, how great is our God? And in the same way, they're saying, are you not this God? Yes, that's who you are. And so I like that because it means that as we come to seek the Lord, we come from a place of knowing who he is, but we don't leave from that place. It's this progressive revelation that we get of who God is. We come to seek him saying, this is who you are, and I want you to show me more of who you are because we're in a sticky situation here, God. We need to see you more greatly than we've seen you so far. And in verse 8, it says, They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, If disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you, for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear and deliver. Now, here are the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. And there's this wonderful humbling that comes as we seek God that we come to seek God and we see him for who he is and out of that place we just say Lord there's nothing that I can do here that I don't know what to do but you're God are you not the God who did this this and this I humble myself before you I trust in who you are Lord in whatever the situation is I'm humbled here before you Lord and I trust you that you will move because you're the God who is who he says that he is and so you see this amazing thing where the whole people seek the Lord together and they seek him from this place of being humbled before him they fast before him and one of the um, benefits if you like of fasting is that it teaches us to be humble it teaches us humility and so they're fasting and they're praying and they're seeking God they're humbled before him and they've got this revelation but they're asking for it to grow as well so they seek him in that way and guess what they find him seek the Lord and you will find him knock and the door will be open we know these verses don't we but it shouldn't surprise us when we see them that, that they find God. And so they pray this prayer. And then in verse 13, it says, All of Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. That's everybody. All of Judah. The whole congregation are gathered together before the Lord. This is all of the people that have been seeking him. These are all of the people that are united with their faith, that they're seeking God together, they're humble together. And in that context, in verse 14, it says, In the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. I'm going to skip out who he's the son of. Uh, And in verse 15, it says, And he said, Listen carefully, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Now, what comes next is going to be quite important, because there's this huge battle about to happen. They've sought the Lord. They trust in who he is and in what he says, and he's about to say something. So they're kind of all ears attentive at this point. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because this vast multitude, because of this vast multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You'll see them coming up from the ascent of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of 
Jeruel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Did you know that the Lord is with us in just the same way and just as much as he was with these guys in 2 Chronicles 20? The same God of power, the same God of might, the same God who is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, the Lord of heaven, he is with us today. And that verse 17, it says, you don't have to fight this battle, position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And those are actually quite familiar words because earlier on in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 14, Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt and Pharaoh is coming after them. And again, it's a bit of a sticky situation. It tends to be a common theme with um, the people of God sometimes, isn't it? Um, But they're running away from Pharaoh and in that situation, Moses says to the people of Israel, says, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. He tells, tells them to still themselves, to be, to be full of courage because God is going to fight the battle. He says, we're going to see the salvation of the Lord in that situation. And so that's what, what they're saying here in this verse 17. They're, they're using what God has done before as a precedent for what he's going to do again. And you know, we can do that in our lives. If God has healed us before, if God has provided for us before, if God has brought us into a place of breakthrough before, if God has done something amazing for us before, then guess what? That's not a one-off. God is an unchanging God, which means that his nature is unchanging, which means that there aren't one-offs. Like He doesn't heal, heal you and then think, oh, well, that was a good idea, but I might not do that again. God is a God of healing. God's a God of goodness. He's a God of faithfulness. He's a God who is steadfast. He's a God who provides. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of all of these things. And when he does something for us, then that now sets a precedent for what he's going to do again. That's something that we can lay hold of in our own lives. If we see something awesome happen, then that's not an unachievable one-off. That's now a baseline. That's a baseline for what he can do again. And so they, they use this as a precedent. They say, position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. So they've heard the word of God. And then in verse 18, after all of this, it says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. And then the Levites from the sons of the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting in a loud voice. I love this picture that they've heard the word of God. All of the congregation is gathered together, and they hear the word of the Lord They hear this amazing prophetic word which says that God is going to come through for you. And the king is there with all of his kingly status and he just bows before the Lord. He says, Lord God, I just throw myself down before you. I bow before you. I worship you. And then the Levites then, they lift up this loud praise to God as well. So you've got these two aspects of worship there, this bowing and this boasting. That's what that word praise there means. It's a boast in God. And so they've not even seen the enemy yet. They're not even got into the battle yet, but, but at this point, they're bowing to the Lord and they're boasting before the Lord. They're saying, this is who our God is. This is who our God is. He's so worthy of all of our worship that we bow before him. And also, by the way, he's awesome and mighty and magnificent. And we're boasting in him because he's going to win this battle for us. So as we find the Lord, we seek him and then we find him and we hear his word. And we have the opportunity then to bow to the Lord and to boast in the Lord as we find who he is. 
And then it goes on, it says, in the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. I found that intriguing, that they went out to the wilderness because God spoke to them and said, I'm going to fight this battle for you. They know that God's going to come through for them and intercede for them. But still, they, they go out to the wilderness, which is where the, the enemy is. So they're marching out to the wilderness with this word of God in mind. And I started to wonder, what were they thinking at this point? What would, what would they have been thinking? They've got this awesome word of God, but also they're marching towards a massive, massive army, a huge enemy. And I was reminded of, of Abraham and his son Isaac, and he finds himself in a situation where after many, many years of waiting for this promise to be fulfilled that he's going to have a son, Isaac's born. And not too long after that, God says something unbelievable, which is he tells him to kill his son. This is, this is what happened in the Bible. And so Isaac's got this awesome promise and this, this boy that's been born and he's grown up a little bit and they're going to this mountain where Isaac is going where Abraham is going to sacrifice his son. Um, and he's not maybe going to sacrifice him. He is going to sacrifice him. That was the intent of his heart. He was going to kill his son. Um, which is staggering, isn't it? that he's walking to this mountain knowing what he's about to do, but also knowing who God is. Also knowing who God is. And in Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says about Abraham that he considered God to be able to raise Isaac back from the dead. In Hebrews 11, 17 to 19, it, it describes that a bit for us. And it just tells us a bit about Abraham that he was so trusting in God and in his word that even if he had to kill his son, who he'd been waiting decades of years for, that he would do it because he considered God to be faithful and able to raise him from the dead. That's how much he trusted God. And you think about Job. I mean, he lived this unbelievable life of suffering and trial and um, in the midst of all of that, I presume we're familiar with the story of Job. So I won't go into some of the details, but... In the midst of this immense suffering and, and testing of Job, he makes this outstanding statement in Job chapter 13, verse 15. And he says there about God, even if he kills me, I will hope in him. Even if he kills me, I will hope in him. That is how much he trusted in the promiser of the promise. He'd had this word... God was going to come through but even if he kills me I will trust in him I will hope in him you think about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego guys with amazing names if nothing else but you know in the book of Daniel you read that they're being told to worship this idol and they say no we're not going to do that our, our God is the only one worthy of worship and so King Nebuchadnezzar says well okay I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace <laughs> and they say that they trust in God and they, they say, say these words that he, he'll rescue us from the fire but you know what even if he doesn't we're not going to bow and worship your God even if he doesn't and we know God we know what God is like we know that he comes through for us we know that he's our provider and everything that we've said already but there's this outstanding level of faith and trust in God that even if he wasn't to move in the way that I'd expect him to move I still trust in the promiser over the promise that he's given the word of God is awesome and mighty and powerful, but it's given by a God who is worth all of my trust, all of my hope, 
everything that I have to independence and um, in desperation sometimes, I just say, God, I need you to, to come through and I trust that you will. And so they're going to the wilderness, knowing what God has said, but also knowing that there's some really angry men that want to kill them. <laughs> and they go ahead and then something amazing happens. In verse 21, Jehoshaphat's talking to the people and he says, he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. <laughs> it's quite funny, really, isn't it? When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude. And there were corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Did you know that that's the first time they saw the enemy? That's the first time they saw the enemy. They'd heard about the enemy. They knew they were coming for them. But so much was their seeking of God and their, their finding of him and then therefore bowing towards him and boasting in him. So much was their trust in him that the first time that they saw this enemy was when they were all lying dead on the ground. So much was their hope and trust in God that he moved on their behalf. He fought the battle just as he said he would. And something astounding happens just before that, which is that they thank the Lord. They give thanks to the Lord for his good and his faithful love endures forever. And there's this prophetic quality to our, our thanksgiving, which we see really beautifully in this, in this scripture. You know, we can give thanks for stuff that hasn't happened yet. When we know who the God of the promise is, yeah, we've got his promises, but we also know God, the God of the promise, then we can start to give thanks because of his nature and because of who he is, because of all, all that, he's, that he said that he is and that, that he'll do. And we can give thanks knowing that he'll come through. And Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that our tongue carries the power of life and death. And as we give thanks to God ahead of situations that we're going to face as we thank him for the breakthrough as we thank him for the overcoming as we thank him that he is the God who he says that he is that carries life because he's put life in our tongue he's put that in our tongue in my tongue right now is life and death because of the authority of God in my voice and the prophetic nature of who I am as a member of his church so I would love us to come back to the Lord not that we've left him but just to um, there's this song that uh, Julia mentioned to me earlier in the week um, it's called Raise a Hallelujah you may have heard of it but I love this story and how it equips us that as we seek God as we have been doing this morning already as we seek him then we find him and as we find God we hear what he has to say and we see afresh of his nature 
and that equips us with all, all of the boldness and the courage and the faith to move forwards and to thank him for the battle which is already won. So if you know that in your life or in the life of your family or of your friends or your neighbours or people at work, that there are significant battles going on, significant things where we need to see a breakthrough of God, then I just want to encourage you that life and death are in your tongue right now, this morning, in this room. And we have the power with our prophetic thanksgiving of who God is and what he's done for us to see a change in those situations. Not in a way that is at all gimmicky. Not in a way that is a bit of a show. This is real stuff right now. This is real, genuine, putting faith into action, depending and trusting that God is going to move. It's in the place of impossibility that we know that God's the God of the impossible, isn't it? So as we come to him at the place that we just say, Lord, I just don't know what to do, but I know that you are God. Lord, I'm afraid, but I seek you. Lord, we don't know what to do, but we know who you are. As we come in that way, we're going to sing this song, Raise a Hallelujah. Hallelujah simply means praise the Lord, which to me is quite a thanksgiving-y phrase. So I trust that as we lift up our thanksgiving to God right now with these things in mind, then amazing things can and will happen in his name. Should we do that? Great. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.